Welcome to the teaching ministry of The Cause Church. We pray you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. Uh, I'm going to share today about strength, and my, my message is titled Real Strength. God gave Pastor John and our church a word for 2023, and that word is strength. Everybody say strength. Strength is the word that God has given us for this year, and I felt like as I was preparing my message that God wanted me to kind of make a distinction between the strength of the world and what, what, what the world calls strength and how strength looks like to the world, which is to be independent and self-made and strong, and, and I don't need anybody, and I don't take disrespect, and I make all the money, and I do this, and I'm, and I'm this, but the strength that God is calling us to and the strength that God is calling His people to is a strength of humility and a strength of brokenness and a strength of dependence on God. Because it's in God and His strength alone that we're made strong. Strength in Jesus' name. Real strength. So I'm going to show you real quick, uh, just a quick little example. So we've got fake strength and real strength. So here we have this little picture here that is about to come up, I promise. <clears throat> so we've got, we've got this random Russian dude on the left who uh, decided that he didn't want to put in the hard work and he had uh, his muscles injected with something. Um, and by the way, I heard that he ended up having to have surgery and have all this dead tissue removed because it got infected. So it wasn't worth it at all and it doesn't even look good. And then on the right, you've got real strength and that's Brian Shaw, who's one of the world's strongest men and he just happens to be from the U.S. of A, baby. So that's pretty awesome. And, uh, and then we have some real strength here from an eight-month-old baby. God was like, Oh, baby. That's my daughter, Look at Jane. you go, princess. Whoa. Oh, my goodness. <gasps> wow, princess. You're controlling it. Good job, baby girl. <gasps> wow, princess. Wow, big girl. <gasps> Jane. That's my little girl, Jane. I'm so proud of her. I love her so much. And uh, I just showed that because I could, because I'm up here speaking. I was like, I'm going to put my daughter up there. Um, and, and she wouldn't be who she is if it wasn't for her real strength mom, Ez, my wife, who trains her and does all that stuff. So, yeah, thankful that they're here this service, the last service. Okay, that's enough of all the personal stuff. Let me pray and, uh, and, and then speak this word. God, I thank you that you're here with us today. I thank you that you're so good. Lord, I thank you that you are calling us to be a people of humility, to be a people who are dependent on you, a people who are desperate for you, a people who call on your name. Lord God, that we would be a people who cry out to you in prayer. Lord, who in humility, God, intercede, Lord, intercede and pray for our family, our friends, our world. Lord, our, our children and our schools and our, our co-workers and our workplaces, Lord God, and that we would be a people that believe for the impossible, that believe for miracles, Lord God. Lord, let us be a people of humility, of brokenness, and of true strength and power. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so I want to make a couple distinctions. I'm going to show you just a, what, a couple things that pride is and then a couple things that humility is that I feel like God showed me. So the first is this. Fake strength, pride, is just about you. It's about just you, whereas humility is about everyone else. 
Pride is just about me and just about you. Humility is about everyone else. Philippians 2, 3 through 4 says this. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. That's not easy to do, by the way. It's our nature to think of ourselves. It's our sinful nature to not think of others, to think of ourselves. It takes the Holy Spirit, the fruits of the Spirit, to be able to do that. So don't look out for your only your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Friends, pride has always been and always will be about you. It's just about you. Pride never has anything to do with anything. Yeah, I'm proud of my daughter, and I showed a, a video of her. I'm super proud of her, but that doesn't come from a spirit of pride. Being proud of my daughter, that's different than having a spirit of pride. Pride is all about me. And friends, as long as it's all about me, I will never be able to honor or glorify God. As long as things are about me and how I look and how I sound and how I appear and how people see me and how people think of me and what people think of me and their opinions and the recognition and the spotlight and, or whatever it might be, as long as that's my focus, I will never be able to please God and I will never be able to step into what God's called me to do. It requires a heart and a state and a stature of humility, of brokenness, to allow God to come in and do what he's meant to do. To heal, to move, to speak, to empower, to, to build me and grow me into what's next for me. I can never be that and I can never do that if I have pride. You can't mold and shape a, a, a clay pot that's already hardened. The clay has to be moldable. That's humility. Pride results in eventual shame. Humility results in eventual recognition. Jesus said this in Matthew 23. He said, but those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Pride wants recognition now. Pride wants respect. It wants recognition. It wants affirmation. It wants attention. It wants the credit. It wants to be seen. It wants to be heard. It wants to be all of those things. High school and junior high, by the way, if I didn't introduce myself, I'm Chris Costello, and I'm the youth and young adults director. I get to oversee our junior high, high school, and over uh, young adults ministry here at the cause, and I'm super blessed. For those of you guys that have not been in high school for a while, maybe you have students in high school or junior high, it is like a social hunger games there. Here's what I mean by that. Every man for himself, fight, it's kill or be killed, push people down so that you can be on top because it's either them or you and it's not going to be me. You guys know what I'm talking about? In a social way, from pride, you say something, they say something back, is disrespectful. I'm not going to, people are looking at you, are you going to take that? I'm not going to take that, I'm going to dish it back out. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? Jesus says, Exalt yourself now, you will be humbled. Humble yourself now, and you will be exalted. The next is this. Pride causes your heart to harden and close itself to God's grace. Causes our hearts to harden and close itself off to God's grace, where humility will cause our hearts to soften and open themselves to God's grace. James 4, 6 says this, and he gives grace generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Just the state of being proud, just the state of pride in and of itself is in direct opposition to God. The Bible says that God opposes the proud. It doesn't just say God, you know, has to deal a little bit differently with the proud. It says God opposes the proud. 
Now, by the way, don't hear me say this. If you struggle with pride, that doesn't mean that you're beyond God's presence, that you're beyond God's grace, that, you, that you'll never be able to connect with God or hear from God. Trust me, because I struggle with pride too. I deal with that because the Bible says that all of us sin, all of us fall short of the glory of God, that even the most righteous person is like filthy rags to Jesus. So the truth is that no matter where you're at on the spectrum of righteousness or holiness or being close to God, whether you feel like you're really close to God and you're super righteous or you're the worst of sinners and you don't even deserve to be here, the Bible says that all of us equally are like filthy rags in the presence of God. But because of what Jesus did, because of his cleansing blood, because of his grace through our faith, we are made righteous in his eyes. So no matter what you're dealing with, no matter what you're struggling with, hear this, it's all about Jesus. And that's the good news. That's the good news is that we're not saved by works, we're saved by grace, His grace through our faith. There's nothing you can do right or good enough to be closer to Him, and there's nothing you could do low or wrong enough to be farther from Him or make you lo- Him love you less. That's grace, and that's humility. Pride says it's about me. Pride says I can do it. Pride says I make things right, I'm justified by what I do, I'm justified by not sinning. And pride also says this, when I mess up, I'm low. When I mess up and when I sin, I'm distant from God. Why? You think you have control of your proximity to the presence of God? You think that you get to decide who you are and not God, who he says you are? Pride, pride leads to arrogance, but it also leads to shame. Pride can cause you to feel shame and guilt just as much as it can cause you to feel arrogant and proud. Pride, because why? Because pride is about you. And when it's about you, you will, I, you will always feel the weight of what you do. But when you live humbly and when you live in humility and when you live in submission and surrender to God and to his Holy Spirit, you recognize that it's not by your might that you're saved. It's not by your might that you're, that you're made righteous with God. It's by his might, by his power, by his grace, by his goodness that you are justified and called righteous. And in the same way, when you mess up and when you make mistakes, you are not distant from him. You do not have to feel shame. You do not have to feel guilt. You turn in repentance. You turn away from your sin and you say, God, I thank you that you don't see me any differently today than you saw me yesterday when I was feeling on top of the mountain, when I was reading my Bible, when I felt good, and then I messed up New Year's Eve last night. I did something I shouldn't have done. I drank too much. I said this. I did this with my girlfriend, with my boyfriend, whatever it was. I messed up, and now I feel low, and now I'm at church because I need to feel like I need to feel good again. That's not how it works. Jesus doesn't see you any differently than he saw you before. When you felt on top of the mountain or when you messed up and you crumbled, Jesus doesn't see you any differently. Why? Because it had nothing to do with what you did, your works, your actions. That's not what got you there in the first place. It's his grace. It's his power that got you there. We need a spirit of humility. Pride demands respect. Humility deserves it. Pride demands respect. Humility deserves it. In my flesh, guys, in my sinful nature, I I bet there's people out here that can relate. I don't like being disrespected. Does anybody out there enjoy being disrespected? I didn't think so. If you raise your hand, you're a goofball. You just want to... Nobody wants to be disrespected. I was imagining Cody would raise his hand. Where's Cody Flores at? Is he here? He's, yeah, I see you, bro. This time you don't want to be called out. I see you. He's always the one raising his hand in youth all the time, no matter what it is. It's just funny. I love you, bro. You're awesome. God's called you to great things, man, really great things. He's going to be, I believe that you're going to be in ministry, bro. Yeah, and we've already talked about that. Sorry, straight off. It demands respect. So, guys, in my flesh, my sinful nature When someone disrespects me, I don't know about you, it gets under my skin. There aren't a lot of things that get under my skin more than that. 
but in my flesh. And why? Where does that come from? It comes from pride. Don't disrespect me. Do they even know who I am? Bro, I used to be a professional MMA fighter. Do you know what I could do to you? In like two seconds, like, okay, that's it. I'm going to put you. You guys know what I'm talking about? Is that just me? Am I, am, I, am I scared? Pride demands respect. You better respect me. Yeah, we're cool. We're okay. Everything's fine until you, until you disrespect me. And now, now, I'm, now we're not cool. Humility takes it. Humility al- makes allowance for it. It doesn't mean that we're, that we're just supposed to be these passive people that just get walked all over on and it's okay, oh, it's fine, it's fine. I- I'm not talking about that. We're called to be bold. We're, we're called to stand up. We're called to be protectors and defenders of people. We're called to be, stand- we're not called to be walked all over on and just be these weak victims. That's not what I'm saying. However, pride says, don't you dare disrespect me. I'll get back at you. Humility says, it's okay. I'm okay. You know, you know who, who deserves respect more than anyone else and who didn't get it, who was disrespected more than anyone else? Jesus, who lived a sinless life, right, completely sinless, and yet he was mocked, he was spit on, he was, he was uh, persecuted, he, he was made fun of, ridiculed, he had his clothes taken away from him, he was spit, all that stuff happened. And, and me and my flesh, I don't know how you'd respond. I would be like, okay, you know what? I'm the son of God. How dare you talk to me that way? How dare you spit on me? How dare you ridicule me in front of all my people, in front of all my followers? I am the son of God, and I'm going to stand up, and I'm going to put you in your place. But what did he do? He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He responded in such humility. He didn't allow pride to fester in his heart to cause him to harden. He remained soft, even in persecution, even in ridicule, even in humiliation. He remained humble. Pride destroys relationships and divides families. Humility mends relationships and unites families. Proverbs 13 says says this, pride leads to conflict. Those who take advice are wise. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I bet as I'm speaking right now, there are people that come to your mind family members, friends, co-workers, whoever they might be, that you have had a disagreement with, that you've gotten in an argument with, and you are no longer speaking. You're no longer talking. Can I just say, if that barrier continues, if that, there might be, there might be a necessary time and season for just kind of chilling a little bit and having some space and having some distance, and that's okay. But don't let pride keep that space there. Don't let pride harden your heart and say, you know what? You messed up. You're wrong. You did the wrong thing. And if you want to make things right, that's great. You can come to me and you can apologize because you did this and you did this and you did this and you're wrong and you messed up and you need to make things right. If they want to make things right, they can make things right. But I'm not going to come and say because they did this. That's pride. Humility says you might have done 99% of the wrong, but I'm going to talk to you about the 1%. I messed up. You may have heard this before. Pride wants to be right. Humility wants to make things right. Pride doesn't ever want to be wrong. Humility doesn't want to do wrong. Some of us this year, for strength, we need to bring unity back in our family. Some of us this year, there's going to be strength that comes because God is going to break your heart, give you a heart of humility, and you, God is going to use you to rebuild and reconcile lost relationships. There's going to be healing that happens. You know, strength, by the way, can also be integrity and unity. There's strength and unity. And in the same way, division causes weakness. 
So as we go into a year of strength, I believe we're going into a year of unity, a year of reconciliation, a year of restoration. God is calling you to be that mending tie. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. This year, God's calling us to real strength. His power is made perfect in our weakness. It's through our humility, it's through our brokenness, and it's through our weakness, friends, that God's power is made perfect. It's when we rise up and when we say, I can do this on my own, I can be strong enough, I can be good enough, I can do these things. It's when we have that mentality that we cut off the ability for God to come in and move in our lives and move in our hearts. Fake strength, real strength. Humility drives us to prayer. And guys, in, in a few moments, Pastor Junior is going to speak an amazing, amazing thing about believing for the impossible. And we're going to be praying, and we're going to be anointing, we're going to be praying together as families. Humility should and will always drive us to prayer. Why? Because we recognize we can't do it on our own. We need, we need God. I can't do this. I can't heal this person. I can't heal this relationship. I can't fix my, my broken marriage. I can't get the finances I need on my own because of this situation. This, I can't do it on my own. I need you, God. So humility, real humility, real strength drives us to prayer. It drives us to prayer. I want you guys to pray this with me. If you want humility and you want God to take away a spirit of pride, I want you to pray this out loud with me. And it's not an admission of I've been super proud. So don't be self-conscious about that. If you're here and you just want to have a spirit of humility and have real strength this year, pray this strong and out loud with me right now. Lord Jesus, I need your strength. I am desperate for you. I can't be holy on my own. I can't be righteous on my own. I can't be good enough on my own. Lord, break down my pride and give me a heart of humility. Help me to make you number one. Help me to place others before myself. And help me to have real strength this year. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. One of the things... We were going to play a video, show the story of a young man uh, who doctors called it. It was over for him. Today, as you saw different young people here uh, speaking and taking different parts, elements of service, probably thought, hey, it's a kind of a different service. But I loved when those two little girls came up here and spoke. It's great. Love when the boys did the offering, and but I specifically love when the little girls did because they're preachers of the gospel. And this church, there is a platform for women to speak the word. And um, some people may not believe it, but we got some documents to show you in the word that says it's all right. And pastor who oversees this house spiritually believes it and declares it. I got to follow my spiritual covering, because I believe it. And today we came today because the reason why we had that different people speak or do elements is because you can't walk into 2023 without your family. We're a family church. And you got to take your family with you when you walk this journey of life. Because if you don't, it's a very lonely life. 
That was the first church Jesus ever built, was a family. That was the first church he built, was a family. What I want to talk to you tonight, today about is time that you believe and pray for the impossible. Pray and believe for the impossible. Chris talked about strength. You're going to need strength this year to pray for your kids and your family as they go back to school. Because the schools right now, whether it's private or whether it's public, it's a playground of the enemy right now. The devil is there. He's working through all different channels to seduce, to manipulate your children. But we want to pray and believe this year for the impossible. What's the impossible? People don't believe that your kids will be greater, will be not just great, but will be dispensers, givers, the love and the mercy and the grace of God. We're believing for that this year. We're believing for the impossible. This past summer, I was introduced to a group of guys who were very goofy, very unathletic. And uh, one of them was here earlier in the last service, so I didn't want to mention his name. But, but um, when I was introduced to this group of boys, they said, you have a whole summer to train up these boys for football. And we were like, oh, fine, that's easy. But then the first day of practice we saw, I don't even think any of them knew what a football was. You asked them, hey, you're going to go through the A-gap, you're going to fire in and let's go for it. Guy goes, well, what's the A-gap? And we go, oh, my Lord. We're in trouble. But practice after practice, game after game, we started to see these young men become great. We started to see these young men become something that nobody believed that they could be. That nobody believed that there was athleticism. There was no, that nobody believed that there was potential and power that these young men possessed. They were able to go on. And I, mean, I remember the first game they had. There was probably 50, 80 people, I think, that were there. And each game, people started to believe as they went and won more games. People said, this is, these are the bad news bears. <laughs> they did. They looked like the bad news bears. But as games began to go, and they won, by the time they got to the CIF championship, there was 3,500 people in the stands. And I watched them, and everybody said, aren't you happy? I go, no, I'm happy because they're happy. Because when nobody believed in them, we were here. All these other people, they're coming because the news is here and all this stuff. I go, but I'm happy watching them jump. Because I knew the power, the potential they had. I believe today that the church has the power and the potential to knock down the gates of hell. I really believe that the church, the college church, has the power and the potential to knock down the gates of hell. But the question is this, do you know that? Do you believe that? It's one thing to say it, but do you believe it? I remember Kansas City when we went there and did an outreach. Young man stood up in the, the projects. He looked at us and he said, Preacher man, everybody does outreaches here. Everybody comes, bring clothes, bring food, then they go back to the rich places. They stay. We're still stuck here in the ghetto. 
He said, but preacher man, we're looking for answers that will answer and statements that will state. And that challenged me. Took that, that neighborhood over for Jesus Christ. Because we believed in the impossible. And I want to encourage you today. I have just a little time to encourage you with these couple points. Here's an example of somebody who believed in the impossible. Luke chapter 8, verses 43 to 48. says, a woman in the crowd had suffered of 12 years with constant bleeding. She could not find no cure. Coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe. <coughs> Bible says, he says, who touched me, Jesus asked. Everyone denied it. And Peter said, Master, the whole crowd is pressing up against you. But Jesus said, someone deliberately touched me, for I felt healing power released from me. When the woman realized that she could not stay hidden, she began to tremble and she fell to her knees in front of him. The whole crowd heard her explain why she had touched him, that she had been immediately healed. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. That lady tried everything the Bible said. The Bible said she tried, uh, uh, she paid for different, she prayed for witchcraft, she paid for magicians, she prayed for all kinds of different medicines. Matter of fact, there was a part of there she says that she paid for somebody to kind of try to spook it out of her, try to scare her, and it didn't come out. She tried everything that she could, but she knew that there was someone right there that held the impossible. There was, I, I could see her. I could see her crawling through. I could see her being stepped on. I, I, I could see her getting her clothes wet, I mean, dirty, and getting to where she needed to get to because she knew the breakthrough was there. Reminded me of a mom that would do everything she can to help her baby. Because moms go through whatever. They go through hell, come hell or high water. A mom will always have your back. You'd be in jail and your mom would be the first one to show up. You do the stupidest things. And your mom will always say, I'm not too sure if my baby did that. In her mind, she knows you did it. She knows you did it. But she still, she'll go back for her baby. That's why when you see football and they look at the camera comes to the players. I ain't never seen that one football player. Hey, Dad. He said, hey, Mom. Hi, Mama. Hi, Grandma. They know their mom will go to bat for them come hell or high water. But I could picture her crawling, trying to get to where she's at. Because she knew the impossible was held right there in that man, Jesus. She knew the impossible was there. And here's a question for us. Here's my first point, I'm sorry. The biggest barrier between you and your ability to see the impossible is you. You're the biggest barrier that's keeping you from seeing the impossible done in your life. It is you. You're always the one messing up, and I'm always the one messing, trying to be God. Stop trying to be God. Let God be God. Stop trying to be the one that's always going and trying to mess with God's timing. 
Let it be. God will take care of everything. Bible says, he said, who touched me? I felt power come from me. That he felt come from me. In your pursuit to see the impossible happen in your life, whose garment are you reaching out for? Some of you in here, you're reaching for a garment that's caused your marriage to go where it's at. You're reaching for the wrong thing. What is it that you thought had the power to give you the impossible that you went to reach and try to draw from that power? You try to draw from that well because you thought inside that well it had the power to give you the impossible. Who is it? Some of us are in a mess that we're in because the things we're reaching for are not the things of God. Number two, the impossible starts to happen when we overcome our fear with faith. That lady could have easily been fearful because there was a lot of people around Jesus. Peter said there was plenty. She could have feared, it's too cold, it's too hot, I'm going to get stepped on people are going to make fun of me. What if it doesn't work? She didn't care of any of that stuff. She was so desperate. She said, let me get, let me get down. Let me just hold on to that thing. Let me hold on to the, the hem of his garment. It reminds me of, of, of Nehemiah in the Bible. <clears throat> Nehemiah, the king said, yeah, whatever you need to rebuild it, rebuild the city, just let me know. And, there, and Nehemiah went there. He said, Give me access to everything, where the lumber is, where the metal, give, give, give me access to everything so I can rebuild, rebuild it. Nehemiah, he asked. The Bible says in Luke chapter 11, verses 9 and 10, it says, ask and you shall what? Receive. It said, knock and you, the door shall be open." He didn't just ask. He asked for some more. The Bible says Nehemiah headed out. He confronted his enemy. He surveyed the land. He cast the vision and rallies the people. He was a busy dude. But yet he knew he needed to pray. You and I were busy. But for us to see the impossible, we have to pray. But not just pray. Nehemiah didn't just pray about it. That lady with the issue of blood didn't just say, man, only if I could get there. They took action and they went and they received it. Prayer without action will fail. What do you mean? You got to move on that prayer. You got to move. If, it will pray, if you're just going to pray and not act on it, it's like me sitting in a car with no fuel but expecting to get to the destination. For you to see the impossible this year, you got to move. My last final point is this. The abundant life Jesus promised lies before you, ready to be lived. The life that he has, his, his abundant life that he promised, the promises of God, they lie right in front of you. And it's ready to be lived. Are you ready to pray and believe this year for the impossible? For the impossible. There's some of you here today. 
you've been believing for your kids to come back to the Lord. There's some of you, you're walking in 2023, and you've been believing for your husband to come back to the Lord. There's some of you that are here today, you're watching online, that you've been, 2022, you've just been believing, God, I just need to get, I can't breathe, finances are tight, gas is expensive, the cost of living is, is expensive. My kids are in the, in the front living room and I'm in the back. In the back, me and my husband are crying because we don't know how we're going to make this thing. Today's a day to begin to believe God for the impossible. Begin to believe God for the impossible. Here's the question. What you got to lose? What you got to lose? Because every person who says, I don't believe in God, but the moment they get in a car accident or something, they're like, oh my God. God, help me. If you're for real, God, will you help me? Just like that young that man, Robert, you didn't hear the video. He was on a ventilator. He walked in. Me and Pastor John walked in and they asked us to come pray for him. He came to the hospital in Norwalk. It was a little, little small hospital. But he was on a ventilator. Doctor said, it's over. It's done. We walked in and pa Pastor John began to declare the word right there. Psalms 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Then Pastor John looked at me. He goes, go ahead and pray. I said, hold up, man. I don't want him to die on my prayer. Hold on. You go ahead and pray. <laughs> you pray. prayed. Prayed with power. We declared God's hand over that ICU. Weeks down the line, Robert says that as a doctor came in to do whatever, he looked and Robert's sitting on the bed and he says, hey, Mr. Holcomb, he goes, he walks back out, he goes, oh, hold on. <coughs> wow, you were on a ventilator. Yeah, I'm awake. Just hold on, let me let me let me show you your 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 cat scan, your your scan of your lungs. Held up the first day he arrived and it was filled with fluid. You couldn't see his lungs. Second week, same thing. Still thing. He goes, I wanted to tell you, but let me show you your your scan now. Held it up, it was totally clear. Totally clear. Now that's the God of the impossible. Because some people in here. You ain't even supposed to be here. You're supposed to be dead. But your grandma, your mom prayed the impossible over your life. And you're here today. Some of you should have been gone. You should have died. You should have never existed because you, you put yourself in a bad situation. But you made it out not because you're strong or not because you're smart. But because somebody prayed the impossible over your life. Every head bowed and every eye closed in this house today even if you're watching online. You're in this place today and you just say, Pastor Junior, I need strength to be able to, to pray for my children and my workplace this, this year. I need, I need that strength. Second one is, Pastor Junior, I, I need to have the strength and the courage to pray for the impossible. If that's you and you just say, man, will you include me in that prayer? Don't waste no time. I'm not going to count to three. Just lift your hands right now. Come on. Lift your hands all over this place. Good. Don't be ashamed. Father, I pray today 
that you would allow the culture of heaven to be downloaded into the hearts of your people right now. Breathe into them. Holy Spirit, breathe into your people right now. Even those who are watching online, even that young man right now, watch it. I pray off that spirit of suicide right now. Holy Spirit, breathe onto that person right now. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Thanks for listening to this message from The Cause Church. For more information about The Cause or for further resources, visit our website, thecause.cc or call 714-255-0930.